Hey there, and thanks for tuning into episode 67 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. Here on this episode, we are visiting with a father and son from the Northern California area. And the son, who is 16 years old, is blind but has been able to play both mainstream baseball and football at some pretty high levels uh, in spite of not being able to see. So, hope you really enjoy this episode as I did uh, with the interview. Uh, it's a great family, great story. And uh, let's go ahead and dive now into episode 67. All right, so my guests here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports are a father and son. Uh, we have Jason Bracy and Jason Bracy the second. Uh, so, Jason, the dad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And then, Jason the second, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Definitely really appreciate you guys giving me some time here. And I know you have a really incredible story of being able to play football. Uh, Jason uh, being pretty much totally blind. So really excited to share your story and get into this. Um, so Jason, the second, uh, just kind of introduce yourself as far as, uh, you know, where you grew up, where you're from and your visual impairment. Grew up in, I mean, I was raised and born in Modesto, California. and. Um, Developed cancer at a young age. I can't tell you what age, but um, developed cancer, young age, and it kind of affect over time, affected my vision over time. So um, had to have my left eye removed the day before my seventh birthday, and um, it's been a between like those those since. I was born and to now it's been battles of back and forth going to the going to LA, going to New York, wherever for me to get um, treatments and the treatment that I need to be able to do the stuff that I want to do today. Wow. And then so how would you describe your, your current vision? I would describe it as if you at late at night, if you um, walk in, in your house and it's like pitch, pitch dark, like what, like when it's like midnight, wherever. If it's pitch dark, that's that's probably the best way I can describe it. Gotcha. I see. And then, uh, how old are you now? I'm 16. 16. Any siblings, brothers, or sisters? Or yes, I have um, two sisters, Mariah and Jasmine, and um, one brother, Javen. Gotcha. I see. So pretty big family. Yes. Nice. And then Jason, uh, the dad, just talked to me about, uh, you know, when you found out about your son's visual impairment, uh, the diagnosis, how you and your, your wife kind of have handled things. Well, to put it somewhat of a nutshell, you know, he was diagnosed at a year and a half with retinoblastoma. Mom and I at the time had no knowledge of what retinoblastoma blastoma was what could be the outcome we had no idea what the first step was to be honest um our pediatrician at the time had recommend we go see a specialist out in san francisco and the the, the way we were able as a family to realize that there was something going on with this vision at certain times, 
depending on the lighting, you would see a glow in one of his eyes. And in, the only way to describe it, and it's spot on, is similar to a cat's eye at night when the headlights hit their face, how their eyes glow, the exact same concept. And we would see it periodically. If the wife's had seen it a few times before I did. Hmm. And she was trying to explain it to me. And I just never seen it myself. So it was hard to understand. And then I started seeing it periodically. And then one New Year's, the whole family saw it sitting at the table. And so at that time, questions were being asked and, you know, what is it? And so on and so forth. We started trying to obtain as much knowledge as possible. Speaking with the specialist in San Francisco, he had to start chemotherapy immediately. Um, he also received cryotherapy, which basically is the freezing of the retinas of his eye because the retinoblastoma basically is cancer or tumors, retinas of his eyes. Wow. And so we only seen the glow in one eye. Once we got to the specialists, they dilated both of his eyes and informed us he actually had it in both eyes, which the term is bilateral retinoblastoma. Oh, I see. And so he went through seven-month treatment chemotherapy, just your typical chemotherapy in San Francisco at UCSF. Once the seven had elapsed, their goal was to turn the tumors for them to calcify. They calcify 100%. They basically, at that point, are, are dead. Hmm. We had some success, but there was a lot of seeding in the retinas also. The success the chemotherapy had and the cryo had on, I guess you could say the mature tumors was pretty successful, but the seeds started to develop. As parents, we were not willing to give up at this time. You know, we just couldn't fathom the thought of one, losing our son. It seems like a lot of the stories we were catching through the grapevine were other parents who had kids who had retinoblastoma where the kids end up dying. So mm. that was our biggest fear at the time. Right. And being that they said their hands, they were pretty much washing hands with Jason with chemotherapy. You know, of course, our question was, what do you mean? So what's next? What do we do next? And all they could recommend was radiation. Okay, no brainer at this time. You know, all right, well, we'll do radiation then. So he went through a three-month regimen of radiation outcome was similar to the chemotherapy and we're now turning the calendar the page on the calendar to the next year and i think this is now 2008 and january rolls around february rolls around every month we return to the hospital just for a checkup things are looking good things are looking good things are looking good one month we show up, oh, there's activity in the tumors again. Okay, so what do we do now? Well, we've ran out of options. This is UCSF. Sure. The only thing we could recommend 
was enucleating his eye. And at the time, it was only his right eye was showing activity. And that was a hard pill to, to swallow. You know, you remove my son's eye, you know, probably like any other parent. And this can't be happening. Right. Um, and the fact it's a permanent change, obviously, it's, you know. Correct. And so I had a hard time coping with that information. And my first question to the doctor was, well, what about his left eye? Do we come back next month and you say, well, there's activity in his left eye now, and now we got to enucleate it also? And now you're telling me my son's not going to have any eyes? So we've had heard through family members and friends of a clinical trial that was going on in lost in York. Um, a basketball player for the Lakers, Derek Fisher's daughter, had the same retinoblastoma. And mm-hmm. through a friend, friend, we got in contact with them. They gave us the number to the doctor. We called the doctor and he basically told us he usually has more success when he's the first to treat, but he was willing to take on Jason's case. Right. So this, and to put this in perspective, the news from UCSF that we had to enucleate his eye, talking to the doctor in New York, happened within a three-day period. On the fifth day, we were in New York for the for the treatment, and it's an intra-arterial treatment, an IA treatment, where they send catheter up through the groin into his main arteries up through his neck and they administer small doses of chemo directly in his eye at the source. We had plenty of success with this treatment. The tumors were calcifying, they were dying in both eyes. And the goal by the doctor was, if we can reach one year with no activity, we have this licked. So every six weeks, we had to fly back to New York, fly back to New York for treats, for checkups, just checkups to wow. see if there's any activity. And it was 10 months and they saw activity again in his left eye. The right eye to this day never had any more activity. So we didn't see that coming. We were thinking Two more months, we're in the clear. I said, 10 months, there's activity. And so, Doc, what do we do now? And I've already explained to this doctor, you're going to have to back me in a corner before I say we got to remove his eye. And he said that we can try doing direct injections through the eye itself into the tumor. He said, but this has to go over a three-month period. And you cannot return home. You have to stay here. Mm. So anticipating a three-day stay turned into a three-month stay out work. Wow. Um, he administered the, the treatment, and it was basically the same story, except this time it was exactly 11 months, and they saw activity. But at this point, with all the prior radiation, cryotherapy, so on and so forth, his eye had developed severe hemorrhaging 
and they couldn't get a good picture of the tumors in his eye to see if the treatment was actually working. All they could use was a sonar method, method and from that alone, it looked like the, the tumors were still growing. So now we're backed into that corner I was talking about. Right. We try to keep treatment without even really knowing if it's working or we remove his eye. If the treatments are not working and we try to continue, what could happen is the cancer gets out of his eye. It could become more systemic and we're dealing with a whole nother game at that point. So he had to have his left eye enucleated at that time. Like Jason said, a couple of days before his seventh birthday. Mm. So that's the parents. <laughs> I know that has nothing to do with sports or anything like that, but that's the foundation to Jason's story there. Right. Hey, I appreciate that background info. And, you know, it's obviously it's it's a challenge for, you know, for not only the patient, the, the individual going through all that, but the parents, the family as well. So really appreciate you sharing that that background. Uh, so, Jason, have you been pretty much in a mainstream school or have you actually gone to a school for the visually impaired? No, um, I actually go to uh, regular regular schools. I went to Sonoma uh, Elementary School. Then from there, I went to the Loma Junior High School. And from there, I'm going, I am currently going to Enox, um, James C. Enox High School now. And um, the only, the only uh, special classes I, should, I, I take, of course, the, um, is like the division classes. So real class and um, um, can teaching class. And that was, that's only one period, like one period out of the day that I take those, class, those classes. But I have, I have all the other activities that I need to pass in school that the other kids have. Right? So I don't have anything special. I don't have any shortcuts. And they, they try to send me to like the the um, school for the blind, but if I if I go there, then I won't feel like I won't feel like I'm with the other kids. So if I went the route that I took, and I'm taking now. So right, right, and hey, it sounds like you've definitely been successful, and you know have proven that you've been able to to kind of be around all kids no matter what. So that's awesome. Uh, so as far as sports go, just talk to me about when you first started getting into sports what was kind of like the first sport that you played and then you know we can definitely talk about adaptations and just different ways that you've played sports the first sport i first team team sport i played was um baseball played baseball for eight eight years throughout sonoma and um what the how we worked that out was if if i'm batting uh, my dad would pitch to me, and we have a count as one, two, three, and on three, I have to, I have to swing, I have to swing the, the bat, right? I have to swing the bat to hit the ball, and if if I hit it, we have the the um, base coaches will have those clickers that you use to train um, dogs. So, oh yeah, yep. 
So when I uh, hit the ball, they will um, click the clicker. I do say like behind the the base, and they will click click it so I know which direction to run, run two. And um, for defense, is I I usually play I play shortstop throughout the throughout my career for baseball, and my dad will stay behind me. And if if it's um, if it's hit towards my direction, he'll say left, left, right, right, whatever. So I make sure I'm in front of the ball. And I'm not I'm not I'm not scared. No matter how hard the ball is, no matter how hard it's hit, no matter what, I'm I wanna I I always want to be behind the ball because it's one time the ball was hit between first base and um, second base and was not it's not even in my my area of play and I still I still dove and stopped the ball from the shortstop position. So no. that was my first sport I played. How I got into football, we actually actually was I was thirteen when I got into football. And me and my dad was just play catch in the fan room. Like we was to go it was the the basic um Steps, uh, the three-point stance, the down, set, go. And I'll go, he will toss the ball to me. I'll catch it. And um, so, of course, that that took a little bit um, longer for me to get into football because due to the treatments I was going through after I lost my eye. Um, after I lost my eye. So sure. that took a little, little more time for me to get into football. And when... I finally got into football. I was playing for the um, Modesto Raiders and talking to Coach um Coach David, we uh he, he was saying that he never he never coached a um blind football player before and it's gonna be interesting how it's gonna go. It's gonna how it's gonna play out. So my first the first half of the season, I was a running back. The first half, until um, I got moved up to quarterback, for because we were um, doing we were trying to figure out how I can get in the end zone, and from the running back position, uh, I wasn't able to break to break the goal line to get to get to the end zone. So we had an idea of doing quarterback sneaks like the quarterback keys forever since I'm closer to the line of scrimmage should be a little bit um easier right so um that that that's the only play I had throughout throughout like that throughout like three three fourths of the um year of, the, of that year and then um when since I started since I got comfortable running the ball had to take contact we started throwing some passing plays in and um, my first touchdown pass was to my, my teammate um, Foster, and um, ever since then we stick with the passing, stick with me running, stick stick to the handoffs, stick to the uh, the fake plays. And my second year with the Raiders, that's when I had had the the uh, leadership for leadership as a quarterback. And I started taking over the taking over the team and leading leading the team. And wow. how 
communication wise, like from a dad to from a dad to the sideline to me, it's I have a one way speaker in my helmet. It's a um, audio device that he talks into that tells me what's going on on the field, and it's all about um, reps. How many reps I get in practice? The more reps I get in practice, the more I'm familiar with that play. So as passing goes, um, it's all about memory. It's all about memory. It's all about how, like, where the receiver is going to end, where the ball needs to be on the face of a clock. So, like, 12 o'clock, straight ahead. 1 o'clock, slant to my right. So, um, it's all position of that. So when I drive back to when I drive back to pass, it's all about me getting my 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 balance and everything and be ready to throw the ball because I don't know because it's all about I have to hear him say you know hit the seven route and then I have to adjust I have to adjust to the seven I can't I can't be like other quarterbacks that has that has that that read right after the snap and I can automatically go to him it's I can it, it can either be for me it can either be to my far left all the way to my far right it all depends on who's open I can't get that that um that um read of who's open after the snap so right. as running like me running myself like quarterback keeps I'm always prepared for contact I'm, I'm never I'm never gonna shy away from contact if, because if I'm running down the sideline, and I, if I have one more guy to beat, and if it's me or him, it's going to be him no matter what. Like he's going to be the one that um is going is going to get punished because he's in my way. I don't, I'm not going to try to dunk out of bounds because usually quarterbacks we get we get trained to slide to avoid contact. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that I'm not that type of quarterback. So, right. So. As running goes, he would tell me. He would tell me if someone's near me and to um, protect. When protect, when he says protect, it means to uh, basically like wrap, wrap wrap up the football and like lower your shoulder. So, as like maneuvering wise, like juke moves or spin moves, if um, if someone's coming from my Say to my left side, either he would say cut right, so I'd like plant plant my foot and then cut to the right, then try to turn up field. Or if oh he's coming from my right side is opposite. I plant my plant my foot and cut to left. But um sometimes I I, I will want the defendant to grab me. Because if he grabs me, then I know where he is. I know where he is, and then then I can lower my shoulder and keep keep my move, move my legs, because that's the thing I don't right. do. I never stop moving my legs if I'm running the ball. Oh, I see, and like you said, obviously you get that tactile feedback if the defender actually does touch you or is close enough to you to know. Yes, and uh, there's been many times when when um, I got like hit, not like wrapped up, like try to get like someone try to like. Like hit me on the floor on the ground, and I bounce off of it and keep keep on going. I'll and mm-hmm. I will prepare for it, but 
that's just something I had to had to be alert for. And I was alert when that hit was coming. As like handing the ball off goes, how's like running like running play goes, it's all about repetition. It's all about me being in contact with the running back or whoever's getting the ball. And it's all about um yeah, repetition and get familiar with each running back, like how fast they are, how tall they are, and how, and where they want the ball to, to be placed in their chest or their stomach area. Right, right. I see. That's just, I'm just blown away at, you know, pretty simple adaptations that you guys have been able to work out here and how you can literally play mainstream sports, you know, in spite of no, no eyesight. Mm-hmm. Also, um, with the Raiders, I played um, the end on the D line, and um, basically, I know okay, the D line, the end is towards the towards the the ends of the the, the O line. So I know if I had to get to the quarterback, I had to cut inside. I can't cut to the outside. I cut inside to get to the quarterback. But if I cut outside, I'm going to the sideline. So right, I I think I have like. Three ta- I didn't play D-line that much, but I had three tackles, three tackles behind the line of scrimmage, forced one fumble, and um, I had three force, um, three force um, picks. So that's that's my that's how and from my dad communication with me on defense is it's all about me being on my on my toes and being ready for which uh direction to shoot because if he says shoot you know shoot um three o'clock then i make sure i have to plant my foot and explode to three o'clock right it's, it's all it's i can't he can't it's not it's not before the snap when the quarterback you know is getting the read it's right after the snapped. So I had to be alert of, okay, I'm going to have to slow to my left or to my right, or I had to get low and create a pile. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I didn't even realize that you did, that you do play, you know, both offense and defense. That's no matter what definitely shows a lot of versatility and just talent and awareness to be on both sides of the ball like that. And then uh, I know you did mention, so it's the Modesto Raiders. So what, what type of league is that? Is that team associated with a school or? It's, it's just for the city. We play cities around Modesto, like Oakdale, Turlock series. We play all around, around the uh, Stanislaus County area. Right. I see. But now I'm playing for the uh, Modesto Enox, um, the Enox Eagles. So we we will be playing almost like same thing with the Raiders, but against like against actual schools, not cities. I see. Very cool. And so, uh, Jason, the dad, let's go back to you. Uh, just give us a little more insight into you know the communication, like your son was talking about, and maybe some you know further examples of what kind of information are you actually giving him from a visual sense. Well, it's it's basically what I'm doing my best and it's it's a real difficult task is just giving him a descriptive audio of what everybody else is seeing right this is this is before 
the snap. You know, it's, it's hey, the guy's lined up to your left left shoulder, outside left shoulder. He's in your he's straight up, he's head up with you, he's inside right shoulder. Um, they're in eye formation. Uh, the quarterback's in shotgun. This is if he's on defense. You know, the quarterback's in shotgun. Um, there's motion coming your direction. I, I try to give him all that information because, believe it or not, he's a student of the game. He picks up signals of what formation they're in, what they've ran before out of the formation, what they've ran before with the guy in motion. So at that point, he's pretty much has, well, it's going to be three or four different plays. Could be two run plays my way, could be a pass the other way. So he has that knowledge at that point. And then after the snap, it's I do the best I can to get him to where the ball carrier will be or is at at the time. And so it, it's it's a mad scramble because basically you all you'll hear me saying is okay, left, left, right, 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 left, 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 right. There he is. <laughs> and so from those those calls, that kind of gets him to the direction of the ball or the or the ball carrier. Now, on the offense side of the field, when he's in at quarterback, it's basically he breaks the huddle and I'm feeding him pre-snap read. You know, okay, looks like the corners are playing up. It looks like it's going to be a man coverage. It's a tight coverage. Linebackers are back. They're about seven yards deep. Right. So, you know, um, offensive line, defensive line are pretty much matched up. Uh, it, it's on you now, man. You know, go ahead. You can start calling it. Now, if something changes during his cadence, you know, if he starts off, all right, ready, and they start moving around, the defense. I let him know, hey, okay, linebackers are moving up. They're walking up. Looks like they're coming. So whatever you do, it, you know, if you want an audible to a hot route, get it out of your hands quicker, this is the time to do it. I mean, he knows it. At, at this point, he knows, all right, to audible. Sure. Um, if I'm just sticking with – if we're just going to stick with the play called in the huddle, when he approaches the line of scrimmage, I look at, okay, well, this receiver has some speed – and the cornerback's playing up on him. All right, I know this guy's running a deep route, so I'm telling Jay at this point, number four or Z, so that he knows, okay, I'm going to the guy running the deep route. And go ahead, call it, man. It's on you now. And right. he'll, call it. He'll, call, he'll call the rest. Now, I will have fun with him and the other team, especially at the point where they know that he's blind. So sure, sure. When the defense tries to switch, because believe it or not, a lot of teams will take advantage of him not having sight. Hmm. And they'll come out of the huddle in one formation, and during his cadence, hit they'll switch to another formation. So I'll tell him, hey, like I said before, linebackers are moving up. They're not, they don't look like bump and run coverage. They're backing off. So what I'll tell him is, all right, point to your right. Tell them, tell the offense, watch out for number 34. You know, po point to your left. Tell them the safety look like he's coming. So at this point, they're going, wait a minute. Is he seeing me? How does he know I'm coming? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's you know, all 
you know, in the fun and games with it all, it just kind of throws them off guard. Wait, wait a minute. He's calling out line shifts now. He, he sees us coming. And after every game, I cannot overemphasize how many times people come up and say, he does have some vision, correct? You know, he doesn't see anything. <laughs> that, that's that's unbelievable. You know, a lot of parents, teammates will come up after the games and, hey, whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it. This is that is amazing. You know, right. whether win or win or lose, you know what I mean? They'll they'll come up and they'll make their way to us to just to give us the encouragement and let us know how special that what we're doing is them and how encouraging it is to their families, even though they're on the opposite team. Sure, sure. Definitely powerful stuff. And Jason, the second back to you, just talk to us about, uh, you know, how supportive your teammates have been. And obviously, as we know, you know, myself, anyone with a disability, there's a lot of rejection out there. There are a lot of naysayers, you know, saying, oh, you can't do this. Or especially when it comes to sports, you know, you get picked last for the team, whatnot. Just talk to us about your perspective, you know, in that regard. Yeah, there's a lot of negative into people, but to me, like they just like they 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 don't they don't matter to me at all. That's not who I look to. That's not who I bother to mess with. And to me, if, if they keep on if they keep on saying negative stuff, go ahead because um I will feed off of it. So my I'm like I said like I'm a team player. I'm not. I, without my team, I, like I won't, I won't be nothing without my team. Like, like they will, they will try anything in their power to make sure that I'm successful and the team will be successful. And of course, I have a lot of support, like as family member wise, friend wise. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of support to. I'm sorry, there's a lot of support from my my family and friends. Without them, I, I wouldn't be doing the stuff I'll be doing today, doing football or yeah, doing anything that uh that I want to do. And when um when like say like if the game was about over and I'm taking the 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 knee out of the infinity formation, the, the defense usually talks talks smash the talk trash and everything like that. And my my teammates will you know, try to defend them. I, I was like, this, this let be, let be. I mean, like we won, game over, like let's, let's get out here. So, yeah, there's there's really a lot of negative feedback and positive feedback, but I'm paying attention to the positive outlet. Right, that's an awesome attitude to have, and I understand that you uh, had called around to multiple coaches, multiple teams. And just talk to me about the process of actually finding, you know, originally the the Modesto Raiders and what it really took to get to that point to to find a coach, to find a team that was willing to to give you a shot. Dude, I got a lot of no's. Like the first five coaches I called, it was a lot of no's, mm-hmm. and um, that didn't really discourage me at all. But um, after every time someone says no, I'm like, okay, next next team, okay, next team, next team, and keep going down the list. And um, 
when Coach Coach David gave me the okay to, I'm, I was like, okay, is this, is this real? I, I, is this going to actually happen? But right. I, didn't, I didn't know how much point time I was going to get because if you were in the stands and you think, oh, a blind football player, like, what's he going to do? Like, he might be on the team, but he's not going to be in the, in the play and in the game wherever. So when Coach David gave me the opportunity, um, he – he was impressed of how much, how much how work, hard work I have in me, how much I love the game of football. And um, so for game-wise, when we, when, uh, we are facing off against a team that told me no, I will, I, I will let my team know, like, hey, this is the team that told me no in the first place. So this, mean, this game means a lot more than me than anything. And um, usually they'll, you know, I say, okay, we got, we got you, Jay. Don't worry, we got you. Usually, we, usually the time we come out on, on top of our team, and I won't say anything to the other team because the scoreboard scoreboard speaks speaks for itself. But my teammates, they 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 love, they love to talk talk trash. Even I'll try to tell them, hey, you know, not necessary. You want me to do that? You know, scoreboard it says what the scoreboard says. The scoreboard says so. Right. But um, yeah, that 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 is how how I match that. Gotcha. I see. And I assume you've heard of uh, Jake Olson, who played uh, for USC. Yeah, the um, long snapper. Yeah, yeah, who was also blind. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, you know, him being a recent example, is that really your goal to play, you know, college and potentially pro football? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna see how much this uh this my fault can go. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop until. Okay, I don't have this. This is a far I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna stop until. I I'm not stop until the doctors told me or someone else says okay, you know, we gotta stop here or when I I'm not gonna stop until when I think I should stop, and. Of course, I'm gonna need a lot of support on the way. You know, from my mom, my dad, brothers, family, family members, friends, like Kaylee, whoever. But um, I'm gonna need a lot of support. But I'm gonna see how far this, this this can go. Awesome, that's that's amazing. And the dad just talked to me about you know from a football standpoint specifically, what kind of progress have you seen your son make? You know, from a talent standpoint as far as just being a football player his maturity has every year increases <clears throat> tenfold he's just every year it's a different man out there in my eyes it's not the little kid that i used to just rough house with around the house and as far as how far this can take him the thing that really advances Jason is his own willpower, his own heart, his own desire, his own belief not to fail, his own belief to, to show the naysayers that, yeah, I could have did this. I could have been on your team. And as far as moving forward, I mean, how far it take him? Most coaches, I mean, just like this is his first year playing for the high school, 
yeah, a couple little um, workout days that they had. Teammates, the coaches, it's like they've never even heard his story. Maybe they've caught wind of it, but we're in disbelief. And you can see it on their faces like, how is this, how is this kid able to play quarterback? And so I know you had mentioned something about, you know, being last picked or so on and so forth. So a couple of quarterbacks were trying out. Of course, Jason's the last one reps and the first quarterbacks are just bombing they're you know has this guy played quarterback before and jason standing next to me steaming because he knows he can get in there and do better than what they're doing right and i'm just, I'm just telling them hey just relax wait your turn when it's your turn you let them know what you can do and so as soon as he gets up there day one I mean, he takes over the whole offense he's not just okay the coach said we're running this play ready set go no he gets up and controls everybody hey he's yelling at the receivers get set you're off the ball you're on the ball tight end you're on the right side you know hey let's get ready running backs what's your splits he's like i said he's a student of the game so it's not just if he's able to physically do what a quarterback does he's also able to direct the team and so he's it's i mean the coaches are blown away they they come to me they don't want jason to hear it but they come to me afterwards like man this this is amazing this is amazing and you can see it on their faces are we going into this season with a blind quarterback right you you know what i mean so it's we don't know what the outcome's going to be because the season's still far away. Well, I mean, we're still a month or two months away before we actually start the season. Sure. And, and you know, I support Jake 100%, 1,000%. You know, I played football all my life. And, again, with the naysayers, you'll hear, yeah, but this can't last forever, Jason. You know, what else are you interested in doing? What else are you interested in doing? And I remember hearing that when I was growing but the only thing that kept me motivated to stay in the school, to go to college, so on and so forth was playing football. So I'm not going to take what motivates him to do, to be successful. If at some time down the line, there's a coach, a team or a doctor that says, Hey, this is it. You can't do it anymore. Well, it's not going to come out of my mouth. One of them going to have to tell him. And then at that time, We'll figure out, AJ, what's next that you might want to, you know, take part in? What else do you want to do? And we'll figure it out at that time. But whatever is motivating him, and if it's football and that's what keeps him in school, keeps him getting good grades, which he does, then I'm all for it. Right. That's fantastic. And I can just tell, you know, in your voice, I'm sure how much you and your wife have supported him and just all the time that you've put in obviously finding strategies to make totally mainstream sports you know totally accessible to him i really commend you guys for that thank you sure and then so jason the second just a couple more quickies here before we wrap up 
Um, have you gotten to try any other, you know, specific adaptive sports, like, say, goalball, beat baseball, specifically for the blind? No, because then I will, then, um, then um, I, won't, I won't stand out, like, um, how I'm standing out right now in the, to, the, to other people. I won't, be able, I won't, I won't stand out to other people because I'll be playing a blind sport. So I want to do something that will stand me out from other, from other um, blind athletes. Gotcha. I see. Very interesting. And then what would you say your, your overall message is to, you know, someone listening to this, uh, whether it's, you know, a young individual themselves or a parent or whatnot, um, who's visually impaired, uh, you know, just in terms of getting active, getting out there, and what, what's your overall message, you know, as far as if someone thinks they can't do something, what would you tell them? If you think you can't do it, then you can't. But if you think you can, then you can. You can do whatever you put your mind to. Nice. Very wise words. <laughs> and then Jason, the dad, how about you? Any final message you'd like to mention? I know Wendy, Jason's mom, and I, we never wanted to handcuff him. We never wanted to put limitations on what he could and cannot do from day one. And so I guess the message I would like to tell other parents is with kids with disability, don't be afraid to let your child try what you think he or she may not be able to do, because you may be surprised. Absolutely. Very well stated. And then any kind of social media, anything you guys uh, would like to mention before we wrap up? Um, yeah, um, I have Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, and YouTube. That's that's the only um, social media you can find from me. Um, of course, if you just search out my name, Jason Bracey, it'll probably... The, the youngest one would probably pop, pop up. Sure. And then if you just want to spell your name, just so everyone, everyone knows the spelling. It's J-A-S-E-N-B-R-A-C-Y. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So again, our guests on this episode of Eyes Free Sports have been uh, Jason and Jason Bracey, father and son here. And I just want to thank both of you guys so much for your time. Uh, what an amazing story that both of you have, you know, really your, your whole family in general, I gotta say. And I've uh, really enjoyed the conversation, and thanks so much for being guests here on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pleasure. It was all ours, and we greatly appreciate having us on. Absolutely. Alrighty. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.